Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back or welcome to the Building Efficiency Podcast presented by Nenny and Associates. I'm your host, Jim Schaefer. Now, if this is your first time tuning in, Nenny and Associates is an executive search firm focused on the building efficiency industry. Hence why we named the podcast the way that we did. Simply put, we help our clients find the right talent. Each week, we sit down with leaders from the industry to discuss their backgrounds, how they got started, and where they see the industry heading. We also get to know our guests and find out what drives them to be successful. And on today's episode, episode 102, we sit down with Brian Allen, who is the Director of Hydrogen Energy Storage with Dynapower Company. And admittedly, I did not know a whole lot about this space, but when Brian and his team reached out uh, to come on the podcast, it sounded interesting and intriguing and, and certainly part of our industry as a whole. And Brian, of course, tells us about his background and how his electrical engineering degree and skill set has served him throughout his career as a sales leader. And really, the bulk of our conversation is spent discussing the DynaPower model and the evolution of green, clean hydrogen. Again, a topic I didn't fully understand, and truthfully, I still don't, but I believe I became 1% more knowledgeable after today's conversation. And of course, we close out the episode with what motivates Brian, what gets him out of bed every day, and I thought this was an especially insightful answer. Now, if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe to our channel and consider downloading this episode and future episodes. This is really the only way that we can track how many people are listening. So if you're still streaming the episodes, I urge you to consider hitting that download button instead. And if you enjoy this episode, please share it with your network and recommend to a friend or colleague in the industry. Now, we think you're going to really enjoy this conversation with Brian and me. So let's drop in. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Building Efficiency Podcast. Today, we're sitting down with Brian Allen, who is the Director of Hydrogen Energy Storage with Dynapower Company. Brian, welcome to the show. Uh, great to be here, Jim. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we uh, we made this happen. I'm excited to learn more about your business and your company because when you and I connected and looking at the website, I'm like, all right, this is connected to what we do in the energy efficiency, building efficiency space. But it does look like it's tangential, a little bit different, and I think our audience is going to be intrigued to find out more about how you guys are going to market. But before we get into all of that, Brian, uh, we want to get to know you a little bit. Tell us about your background, where you grew up, and, and how you got started in your career. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, my background is electrical engineering, and I grew up in Philadelphia area, and I started my career as a design engineer electrical design engineer and first four or five, I guess, closer to five years of my career spent purely in a design realm. Then um, got hit by the sales bug and, and made the transition on a technical side to sales. And since I've been in sales for close to 30 years now, and now I'm in a pretty significant leadership role that uh, I'm enjoying, enjoying quite a bit. Excellent. Okay, so so let's uh, let's go back to that moment. You start off electrical engineering, doing design. That's what you got your, your degree in. Was there a moment? Was there a time? What compelled you to get into sales? Because that that's always the best combination for you know career trajectory, having a solid technical background with a sales acumen. So, what was that decision like? Sure, that that's an excellent question because that was not an easy decision for me. I, I think we all tend to fall into a box if we allow ourselves, right? Uh, spent a lot of years working on an engineering degree. And I, I soon learned that when I was uh, out at project sites and doing 
commissioning and site training that I enjoyed the classroom environment. I enjoyed giving people a level of comfort with a complex system that they just purchased and and training on those systems. And soon um, I started to get a passion for being in front of people, communicating to people, establishing trust with with folks. And and I soon learned that I, I was enjoying that portion of my job more than I was coming back to the office and turning out one-line diagrams and drawings for the next project. So uh, I, I, it didn't take long for me to figure out that, you know, this is where I needed to be. But I had a mentor at the time that I consulted with uh, quite a bit prior to making that decision. And, and I stuck in there probably longer than I wanted, but eventually I made the change and uh, the rest is uh, history. So I would imagine maybe not directly, right? You're not doing design today, but how do you utilize your electrical engineering today? I would imagine it's still running in the background, just your thought process, problem solving, your technical acumen. So, I mean, how is that utilized today? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So for the majority of my career, I've been in, in the electrical realm, both on the AC side, uh, worked a number of years with Snyder Electric with medium and high voltage equipment. Also spent a number of years on the DC side with a number of battery companies. And now I'm with a company that is in the power conversion business. So we're we're either converting uh, an AC voltage to a DC voltage or DC signal or vice versa. So, so for the past uh, almost 20 years of my career, I've been heavily involved in spaces where my technical background certainly uh, goes a long way in helping me do my job. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Yeah, we don't need to go through every you know role here throughout your career, but maybe we could just kind of pick up you know last uh, last couple of positions here. I always like to get um, you know just uh, a little bit of the background and the the history and kind of some of the experiences that you've had that have formed you know helping making this transition. So maybe let's just take one step back. You know, I saw that you were at uh, Microporus. Was that right? Right before here. Maybe you could just yes. tell us a little bit about that. And then, yeah, how, how you made the transition to DynaPower, and then we could talk a little bit about your strategy here. Sure, sure. So Microporus uh, follows part of my career path where I was working in the DC realm. So I worked for a number of battery manufacturing companies and progressed to a director role with a, I won't name them, but a, a foreign battery uh, manufacturer based in Asia prior to joining Microporus. And an opportunity came up to venture into a different side of, of battery manufacturing. So Microporus actually makes the uh, separators, the separator components inside of batteries. So I went from overseeing as a director the complete product line to the component level of a product. So that was an interesting venture for me. Learned a lot, got real involved in the chemistry of, of battery manufacturing and in, in the components there within. Uh, so that was a good opportunity and, and, and a career path progression for me. And I had a strong interest in the renewable space and had that passion for some years. And batteries are a big component of our path to renewable energy. However, I, I did not make that leap initially because quite frankly, there were a lot of false starts in, in that industry as, as there's challenges with bringing costs down and making it competitive with other, other fuels. So I sort of watched from afar as, as things became more sustainable and, and viable long-term. 
And I was uh, contacted by my current organization with an opportunity to join the renewable energy space. And I was, I was sold on the product line and the long, long range plans for, for DynaPower. And so I made the leap and it, it's been a pretty seamless transition. You know, having spent a lot of years on both the DC and AC side of energy production, it was, it was a good time for me to parlay that experience into a role where I'm dealing with uh, both sides of the fence, so to speak. Got it. Well, let's um, let's maybe this is probably a good segue to uh, just give us an overview on on Dynapower because again, I think a majority of our audience may not know your organization well enough. They may have heard of the name, but uh, if you could give us an overview just broadly of the organization, and then we can get into your specific team here and, and your your specific role. Absolutely. So so Dynapower is a energy provider. We we make power conversion equipment. Some refer to it as power electronics. We are a company that's been around for a number of years, really cut our teeth in in developing power supplies, for example, in the automotive space and transitioned into the mining space and a number of other industrial space. And we took that, you know, power conversion expertise in the renewable space. I want to say around 2007, when we ventured into that and those markets. And since then, we've developed a number of market segments. We, we have a segment based on renewables, a segment based on microgrids. Uh, we have a segment based on e-mobility, as well as a hydrogen segment, which is um, the segment that I lead with DynaPower. The, the commonality between all four segments is power conversion equipment. And then you can throw our industrial and military groups in as well. We uh, we make power conversion equipment for the defense industry as well. Not not my side of defense. That's our industrial side versus a renewable side. But but the the technology is is not a lot different. Well, let's um, let's get into the part that I'm most curious about because when I saw green hydrogen, heard of green hydrogen. I mean, I've seen it. I. I I mean, you and I talked a little bit before we, we were recording. I mean, admittedly, I'm just a bit naive in this uh, this topic, this category. So give us the 101 version of green hydrogen and, and just, you know, kind of how you guys are going to market today. Sure, sure. So that that's uh, the, the 101 is, I, I guess I'd phrase it as uh, producing hydrogen in a clean fashion. So it's it's either referred to as clean hydrogen or or green hydrogen. And what, what that means is the electricity to produce hydrogen comes from a renewable source. In most cases, that would be wind or solar, uh, rather onshore or offshore. The the main component there is that hydrogen is produced in in a number of ways, but what 5% of today's hydrogen is produced by a technology called electrolysis. And electrolysis is just a fancy word of saying splitting, using electricity to split water. You know, so when you when you apply voltage to water, you know, you, you have uh, hydrogen that's produced at the cathode and and uh, oxygen that's produced at, at, at the anode. So so when you do that and store or capture the hydrogen, the product that that's um, put into the atmosphere is oxygen. So that makes it a, a clean energy. Right. So so that's uh, a process that. Most of it produced today is produced either via natural gas or coal, so it's not very clean. So, you know, hydrogen is used in a number of applications today. Probably, I think the latest numbers I heard is 
the global usage is about 120 million tons uh, globally per year. So, so it's already a, a largely consumed product or a molecule, if you may. Uh, so, so the goal is to produce it in a clean fashion so that it can be deployed in other markets. Uh, so what, what DynaPower does is we produce technology called rectifiers. And rectifiers are simply used to convert AC power to DC power, which is then used to power the electrolysis that splits the water. What's unique about hydrogen, it's, it's a versatile molecule. It's the most abundant molecule in the universe, but it's, it's, it's always combined with something. So you have to separate it to get it in its pure form. But once you, once you achieve that, you know, you can, you can burn it as a combustionable gas where the byproduct is water. So if you heard of hydrogen fuel cell cars, that's the idea there, uh, where you're using hydrogen burned through a, a fuel cell, combusted through a fuel cell to create electricity to power a vehicle or a forklift or material handling equipment. So that's one use case. The other use case is to produce pure hydrogen through electrolysis, which we just discussed. Once you, once you achieve that, hydrogen can be stored in vessels. It can be stored underground in salt caverns. It can be transported and either burned as, as a fuel or used in a process where uh, maybe in steel making process or oil refineries already use it in its pure form. So you could clean up some of those hard to abate industries by uh, producing it in a green fashion, or you could store it as a alternate fuel source that can be converted uh, into electricity when you need it. So as, as we all know that wind and solar are intermittent sources of electricity. So you, you actually could use hydrogen as, as a stored battery, if you may. So if you store large amounts of it underground, you could, you know, release it and convert it to electricity when needed to offset a lot of the other alternative fuels that are uh, being considered. Mm. So what are the, uh, what are the partnerships look like, if any, with solar and, and wind organizations? You mentioned the clean and the green side of it. So are there active participations or partnerships that you have with some of these big solar developers, contractors, et cetera? Yeah. So, so that's, that's a good question. Uh, typically, you know, there's uh, a project, most of your big electrolysis hydrogen projects are more pilot projects today, right? Okay. And the challenge is, is getting the cost basis down to where it's competitive with natural gas, coal, or, or any alternative fuel out there. Uh, so there's, there's a race to the top right now as far as technology improvement, efficiency improvement, bringing a cost down to uh, the target is, is, is $2 per kilogram has, has been sort of like the holy grail of where we think hydrogen really takes off. We're probably close to double that that price point right now. So most of these projects you'll find are in, in a pilot phase. So there are hubs throughout the country that are getting projects underway as we speak. As far as your question in, in the collaboration with uh, wind and solar companies, there's usually a, a EPC contractor or large construction firm or integrator that's that's managing these projects and they're pulling in the different producers, right? So they're dealing separately with the solar companies. Uh, they're dealing separately with the electrolyzer companies 
and then bringing us in as the uh, power supply manufacturer and bringing us all together and, and bidding on projects like that to eventually collaborate and produce it uh, in a clean fashion. Okay. All right. No, that's, that's part of that. Thanks for illustrating that. I was just mentally trying to like connect all the dots and see where all the different players fit in with these types of projects. So uh, that was super helpful. So I think that's a, that's a good way for us to transition to, um, you know, kind of the future of the industry. You mentioned the price point, right? Everyone wants the latest and greatest technology until they realize how much it costs, right? And that's really what drives the behavior. So uh, maybe you could touch on that or just in general, right? If you fast forward five, 10, 15 years, where do you see the industry heading? That's that's a really good question. I, I obviously believe in it since I'm <laughs> uh, investing my career in this. Right. Sure. Um, I, I think the outlook is 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 awesome for for clean hydrogen. Uh, the the amount of energy and effort that's that's being put into bringing the cost down currently is 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 phenomenal and on a global level as well. A lot of key drivers there. There are some what we call hard to abate industries, right? How do you clean up the steel industry? That that's you know big power consumers or the aviation industry or the you know shipping and transport industry. There there are so many industries where your traditional renewables like wind and solar are are not a good fit for those industries. Uh, what what makes hydrogen so appealing is its flexibility, right? It's it's a molecule that it, it's the only molecule that that can be converted to electricity and then it also burned as a as a fuel. That that's a unique advantage because it's a gas. It can also be transported globally. So there's also what most refer to as uh, energy security is is a big driver, right? If if you're a country who don't uh, doesn't have large natural gas or, or oil reserves, then you're very interested in, in the, the prospect of uh, producing or importing clean hydrogen as an alternative source. Uh, for example, you know, if you look at the conflict in, in Ukraine with Russia, Russia is, is, is a big natural gas supplier to large swaths of, of Europe. So there's a huge need for energy security in those regions. So You'll, you'll find a lot of activity, for example, in Germany, where a lot of electrolysis manufacturers are, are located, where they're moving with potentially using uh, hydrogen even as a building fuel, as, as a home heating, heating fuel. So there's talks of using existing natural gas lines, blending, blending with a percent hydrogen and piping it into homes and, and using it to heat homes. So uh, that's something that's relevant to your industry. So that that's one aspect of it. Another aspect is you can convert it to ammonia and transport it as, as a liquid, or you can pressurize it and transport it as a gas. It's It offers long-term storage, something that's not ideal for batteries, for example. You use battery lithium batteries, for example, in, in large storage projects. They're, they're mostly used in, uh, you know, two to four hour durations, uh, things of that nature. Hydrogen could be stored long-term without degradation, uh, without much degradation. So that's a, a huge advantage. Uh, and I think we talked prior about even storing hydrogen in underground salt caverns. Um, we currently are, are involved with a project in based in Utah called ACES, where uh, we're utilizing underground salt caverns that are about the depths of maybe three Empire State Buildings. 
and and filling those caverns with hydrogen and and then utilizing that hydrogen when needed. And there's no disturbance of the environment. You're basically, you know, using a, a brine slurry to remove the salts and and replace it with hydrogen. So so it's a, a natural way of storing it that most likely safer than than pressurizing it in uh, vessels uh, all over the place. Yeah, that that is still. I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around the uh, three Empire State Buildings at a salt cavern. So maybe one day I'll have to get my eyes on that. So, uh, well, that's a good visual, and uh, no, I appreciate the uh, the insight on that. And I'm starting to starting to gain some more knowledge of this uh, this space. Super fascinating. So, so Brian, let's uh, let's transition to the last part of the show here. I was going to ask you the same four questions that I ask every guest who comes on, and wanted to lead off with what are your daily non negotiables. Sure. Good question, uh, Jim. I, I would start with my daily non-negotiable is it starts in the morning for me. It's something I call planning in solitude. Uh, solitude. It's it's usually about a 15 to 20 minute session unless more is needed. And that's um, it's a time for daily reflection for me, you know, correction over the prior day, looking at things that I could have done different or better and, and then last planning the current day. So I, I start every day with that quiet time with self. I try to remove myself with grab my cup of coffee and and make sure the house is quiet or or the office is quiet wherever I'm working and, and spend that time on reflection before jumping into the next day. That's more or less a non-negotiable for me. It, it I travel quite a bit, so it, it can be hard depending on my routine that day. But you know, when I'm in the office, um, that's how I start every day. All right. And uh, let's say you're you're graduating from uh, North Carolina A&T University. Uh, Absolutely. 22-year-old Brian, what advice would you give to, your, to yourself back then? You know, just based on experience, I'll, I'll have to say search for your passion. Uh, search for your, your, your passion and your purpose early in life and and pursue it with with no excuses and you know i, I think we kind of touched on it earlier that's that's something that i struggled with in the beginning because you know my parents worked hard to help me go to school and and turned out that my passion was not engineering <laughs> so um uh you know that i i think to, to reach your true potential potential you, you you do have to be aligned with something that you're passionate about so if i were talking to my 22 year old self i'd, I'd say uh, you know don't delay just just follow your heart follow your passion and, and the rest will fall in place and what motivates you what gets you out of bed in the morning oh um acts of serving um, i'm a uh, pretty somewhat religious person so that's um, my guiding principles are are often based around service. And, and I, I try to look at most aspects of what I do, whether it's in my family life or my career life of thinking how I can serve others. I think my career choices reflect that as well. So I'm currently more fulfilled in my current career because I can, I can associate it with, you know, serving humanity and trying to improve our planet make things more sustainable for the next generation. So that's also part of acts of service for me. So that's that's something that I, I try to live by. All right, and last question here. What do you want your lasting legacy to be? Uh, I would say uh, someone who was committed to continuous improvement, 
My motto is leave it better. So again, if, if I look at religious principles and, and some of my guiding principles, yeah, I, I think we're all charged with taking the gifts and talents that we have and resources that were, were, were given rather large or small and, and, and trying to improve upon those, uh, multiply, make it better. You know, that, that could be financial relationship wise, uh, spiritual, environmental leadership, try to be a better leader to members of my team. So, so my, my legacy, I want to be that, um, he made things better than it was, uh, when, when he started. That reminds me of the parable of the talents. The absolutely. Gifts, yeah, the gifts absolutely. that we were given. That, yeah. We're, we're charged with multiplying them, right? That absolutely. Right. Given Don't five, it in turn the it into 10. And, and then there was the one, uh, individual that, that buried his talents and gifts and, uh, did not multiply them. And that's yeah. uh, something I try to live by. Oh, that's great stuff. Brian, thanks for being a guest on the Building Efficiency Podcast. Oh, it's been excellent talking to you, Jim, and uh, look forward to the next time. All right. All right, there you have it. Episode 102 with Brian Allen. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you did enjoy it, please be sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you enjoy listening to your favorite podcast. We hope, that we, sh- we hope that you're sharing this with your friends and colleagues. And one last thing, if you have any future guests in mind from the industry, please reach out to me. We'd love to hear from you loyal listeners. So until next time, I'm Jim Schaefer, and we'll catch you on the next episode.